Hi everyone, welcome to the Stay Hungry podcast. I've got a special guest for you and I'll let him introduce himself. Who are you? <laughs> I am Charlie Locke. Uh, thanks very much for having me on the podcast. Uh, I am the co-founder of SDR Nation, which is a, a community that I've built for um, entry-level uh, entry sales reps. Formerly a um, VP of sales, sales leader for the last 10 years, and then before that, a individual contributor um, sales guy. Um, so about 20 years in sales, and most of it always in the software industry. Um, but uh, now, for the last six years, I've been picking away at starting my own businesses. I've had three that have failed, and finally this last one, SDR Nation, is starting to work. It's a bit awesome. of background about me. Awesome. So what are you bringing to the podcast today? Um, I'm, I'm here to talk to you about anything that has to do with um, essentially learning about a customer and what you should build for them to, um, to, to get paid. Um, I, I've been painfully going through the motions of being an entrepreneur for the last six years and, um, <clears throat> and finally have landed on a business that I've been successful in. And um, yeah, like today, today I'm happy to talk about all things, starting a business, um, scaling up a business, automating everything that you can to make it easier for you to um, start a business uh, with a lean methodology. Mm -hmm. um, anything that you think would be relevant, Joel. Like it. I like it. I mean, yeah, lean methodology is a cool one. But uh, so what, what were the three failures, if you don't mind me asking? Yeah. Um, my first one was a business called Sassly, about as stupid of a name you can think of. Um, but basically it was, uh, I worked at Salesforce for okay. three years. And um, one of the things that I noticed there, basically Salesforce doesn't really work out of the box. It's kind of like a blank canvas. Um, CRM, customer relationship management system, basically a database where you hold all your customer information and then build workflows um, to, to either do sales or sales development or, or marketing on top of it. Um, <clears throat> and so I, uh, uh, but it takes a lot of uh, customization to make it work. So we build an out of the box implementation of Salesforce specifically for SaaS companies, software companies with a recurring revenue model. Sure. And um, yeah, so that one failed. We, uh, we basically built 13 versions of our product for 13 different customers. So the product wasn't scalable at all. Learned a ton about product. Um, the other one was, um, or another one was a little app called Shakespeare.io or .ai, sorry, um, which was a, um, a, a Chrome extension, which would personalize emails really, really quickly so that you could uh, essentially type in someone's email and it would go hunt for information on them on the web and then help you craft an email based on who they are. Wow. Um, so like, yeah, with three or four clicks, so you could essentially personalize an email. Um, but we tried, you know, I learned a lot about testing and a lot about lean methodology before uh, that company. In so far as, you know, the core truth we were trying to prove was that personalized emails get more replies than canned emails. And so before we went off and started selling this thing and, um, you know, marketing it and putting more revenue behind or like uh, money behind it, um, we tested that. So we sent out five custom emails and five candy or 5,000 custom emails and 5,000 candy emails. And the reply rate was exactly the same. So we, uh, and at that, that point I was running out of money. So <laughs> that was another one that, that suffered. 
I see. So the re- the reason I asked, um, obviously, the podcast is called Stay Hungry, and clearly, you have. So, yeah. so how come you've managed to to stick with it? Because you learn so much in those failures, right? And you know, you realize how um, naive you were, or just I don't know what the right word is, ignorant or. Um, you had the blinders on to what you actually needed to do to make that business successful. And so when you go through that failure, you know, you can, you, you obviously get clarity on all of the things that you did wrong and all the things you could avoid it for next time. And one of my favorite stories is whenever we would go to a venture capital firm to raise capital, you know, for our SaaS for our business and the VC would ask me, they'd say, or is this your first startup? And I would, you know, put, have a big smile on my face thinking, yeah, it is. Yes. You know, like this is probably what you're, you know, you're excited about. And so I'd say, yeah, it's our first startup. And the look of disappointment on their face because mm-hmm. <laughs> they, they rarely invest in first time um, entrepreneurs for the pure reason that you need to fail. Like you actually have to fail um, to be successful. It's one of those things where if, if you haven't gone through that failure, you will very likely. Sure. And so you don't see a ton of entrepreneurs um, where their first business is the one that actually works. Um, so, so yeah, it might look that way on paper because they were, you know, started the business when they were 20, but they were probably started five businesses when between when they were 10 to 18 years old. Sure. Um, you know what I mean? And so you just don't, those aren't on LinkedIn. Um, but yeah, in, in most cases, I think that's the thing that keeps me hungry is the learning and the excitement of that, that knowledge, you know? And so um, that's, what's kept me hungry is like, okay, well now I know more. I can, I can try this again. Yeah. Yeah. And, and learning on, on the job as well. I was, I was talking to a client today and I said, you know, we've got some amazing results with your advertising and I've got a load more ideas for you. And, and they said, well, why didn't you apply those in the first place? And I said, well, I, I didn't know them a year ago <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're new exactly. ideas and it, because you have to keep learning it, like it's not static exactly yeah, so exactly your successful business what is it um so it's sdr nation mm-hmm. and so sdr for those of you that don't know means sales development rep basically the first role in sales that you would normally get straight out of college or university or some post-secondary education um, or high school, if you don't go to it. And, um, um, and it's, it's essentially cold calling a lot of either cold calling or working in inbound uh, marketing function of some sort. And so essentially, you know, about 50 years ago, someone, you know, there was a lot of door knockers, right? Salespeople were going door to door and they were selling Bibles or what have you. And um, at some point, one super smart, you know, operator said, well, why am I having, you know, eight times out of 10, someone doesn't open the door. So why am I having all my best closers, basically my best salespeople going and knocking in doors and wasting time when I just want them talking to the two doors that open? Um, So we created a second team of people that just knocked on doors. And once they got someone to the door um, and opened the door, they would, you know, have a big flag and wave down the the closer to come in and, um, and actually uh, do the meeting. And that's essentially what sales development reps are. They're booking meetings for um, account executives, folks that have a little bit more sales experience. Kind of think of it as like your first job in sales that really, where you really cut your teeth, your, 
Um, you're getting rejected a lot. You're having to learn a bunch of different tools, a bunch of different processes. Um, you're learning how to write emails, cold call, talk to people, um, engage with people, learning how to sell over social networks like LinkedIn and Instagram and Twitter. Um, and it, it's sort of this cross section between marketing and sales. Cause you're really basically doing marketing in a one-to-one fashion versus, you know, one-to-many, which is what most marketing functions do. Mm. So it's a, it's a great learning experience, but you really get hardened in doing it and, and it prepares you for the next role in sales. Very much similar to, you know, someone who wants to be a chef, you got to peel potatoes and go through those, uh, those, uh, those, those hard, hard years first and earn your, earn your stripes before you move on through the ranks. Um, but it's a hard job and it's a, and it's a really painful job. And, uh, for a lot of folks, because there are sales degrees, Mm. which is kind of crazy. If you think about it, there's marketing degrees, there's finance degrees, there's economics, there's HR degrees now starting to see some sales degrees, but for whatever reason, people don't consider sales a profession still, if you think about it, which is kind of crazy. And and like, and our parents certainly don't think that is because parents are the, the customers of universities and colleges. And that's obviously why universities and colleges aren't building sales degrees because they don't think anyone's going to pay for it. And so, but there's been a huge shift in the last 20 years of sales, just being something like, Oh, Tony, he was a good talker. He's in sales. Guess what? Salespeople with eight years experience, maybe six years experience are making more money than doctors, engineers, architects, lawyers, all these professional careers. Um, because um, it's turned into much more of a science over the last 20 years. And so anyways, the problem I'm solving is that there aren't sales degrees. And so every sales development rep, when you start at a company, you probably don't have any sales experience. You don't have any sales training. You don't have any sales schooling. And so all of your success is based around the idea that your company is going to train you or your manager is going to train you to sell. Um, And a lot of these organizations just aren't set up to do that, not for any fault of their own. They might be a 15, 20 person company, like some of you listeners out there and you hire your first salesperson or you're, or maybe you're not hiring your first salesperson because you're scared to do it because you don't know how to train them. You've never done sales and you've never, you know, and you've never gone through that motion or you don't know what, who to look for and what to hire. So, um, so we are a support net, essentially. Um, we're a school for sales, for sales development reps. Um, and we have, it's a paid community. So we decided to build this uh, community on a, on a, uh, sorry, the school on a, in a medium called community, which is essentially a forum, discussion forums where we host events. They can get one-on-one coaching from other sales experts. Um, they can ask each other about how to do it, but essentially helping SDRs basically hit their number and get good at their job, but then get promoted. Amazing. Amazing. So something uh, I encounter working with a lot of small businesses, particularly, you know, we're a marketing company by, by trade, is when they get to a certain size, they want a sales team. And so they get a salesperson in and usually they're disappointed because they don't know what to expect and the salesperson doesn't know what to expect. How often do you encounter that? All the time. Yeah. Sure. Very common. So kind of what's, what's the solution to that? Um, I think first and foremost, I mean, first and foremost, there, there's, there's a lot that goes into hiring 
salespeople. And so I've hired hundreds of salespeople in my career, maybe thousands, I don't know. Um, and I've met with a lot of probably 10 times as many poor salespeople. Sure. Um, and so knowing what to look for in a salesperson is very, very difficult. And so, you know, I could say, um, you know, it, it all comes down to what compensation plan you put in place, what sort of accountability you put in place, what tools they have, all these things surrounding the person to make them an effective salesperson, clear direction, you know, all those sorts of things, better training. Those could be all the things, but at the end of the day, if you hire an awesome salesperson, they'll figure it out. Mm. And so it really does where, where I see most of that failure happening is they just hire the wrong type of salesperson for their business. Okay. Um, and especially with an early, early stage uh, company, you know, where you're hiring your first salesperson, you don't know what the sales process probably is yet. You might've done it yourself as a founder and gone through it, but there's still a lot more learning to be done. And, and you also have the founder mystique uh, or magic, I would call it, right? When you talk about your business, it's your business. And you're talking to people like, oh, I'm talking to the founder, right? But when you bring on a salesperson, they don't have that same history. Like I can tell you my story of why I started SDR Nation and why it's important to me. And that that really resonates. I'm telling stories and people are like, oh, this is a really interesting idea. But when I have a sales rep going through that same thing, they can't authentically tell my story. It's a bit weird, right? Mm. So, um, so you need to almost build a new sales process for folks that aren't founders, essentially. Um, and... So what I'm saying is that with that first sales rep, you're going to want to find someone that's maybe already done that before, maybe been at a company at a very, very early stage when the sales process wasn't defined and actually had their hands involved with defining it. Um, you want someone that's going to be very comfortable just going and talking to a lot of your current customers and finding out what their life was like before they bought your solution, why they bought your solution, what their life's after, like when they bought your solution. So they they can start to think about how they're going to craft messaging and, and present value in some facet or what the sales process is going to be. So you, I guess what I'm saying is if you, if you're a lot of, I think a lot of people will hire sales reps who was a top rep at a big company or, you know, a medium sized company where they had all this structure, that's not going to work. You don't have structure. So yeah. don't hire that person. Cause they're going to come in wondering where's all the structure. Where's my comp plan. Where's my system. Where's my tools. Where's my data, blah, blah, blah. You want almost just like a really smart engineer, like um, entrepreneur, you know, who is comfortable with tons of ambiguity, tons of gray, tons of fog, who wants to sift through it with you. Yeah, I love that, that, that somebody who's willing to seek clarity through the fog. Uh, we, we've, got, we've got a lady in our team at the moment that's going through a lot of sales training because, because of exactly that trait that, that she, she's always looking for an answer. And, uh, and yeah. not many people are. So it's, it was, yeah, it's amazing. Um, so yeah, we're, we're in that position at the minute where, uh, and a lot of UK companies, I don't, I don't know how aware of this you'll be. Sales is a bit of a dirty word in the UK. So, yeah. um, so if you say sales in the UK, people think of door to door salespeople, they think of call centers and yeah. they think of car salesmen. <laughs> They're like yeah. the three stereotypes. And what um, are all the things that, what are all the words that you think of in your mind when you think of those types of salespeople, right? You think pushy, 
sleazy, greedy, you know, annoying, mm. right? Self-serving, right? Those are all the those are all the emotions and feeling that come into your mind when you think of that type of salesperson, right? Sure. So, so exactly. We've just started building our sales process because even though we're a decent sized company, we're successful. We actually didn't really have a sales process. It was it was in my head. So yeah. um, and when I talk to people about the fact we're building our sales process, it's like we've gone from a nice company to an evil company. You've, you've gone from, oh, right, people want to buy from you because what you do is good to you trick people into buying from you. Um, yeah. I know that's not true. You know that's not true. But how, how do we explain that to the listeners? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's funny you mentioned that UK trait. Um, so I'm Canadian. Mm-hmm. I just told you before we got on recording here that I'm half Welsh. So I actually sure. have a British passport. So I can sneak over there pretty quickly if I want to and not have to wait in a long line, I guess. But uh, um, it was funny. When I was at Shutterstock, we would, you know, we were, we had a, a meeting of all the sales leaders from across the globe. We all came to New York. And, um, you know, the, the, and we were talking about titles mm. for all the sales reps. And the, senior sales leaders in the UK were dead set on having these very specific titles that would not even give an inclination of sales in the title of the person's business, business development manager, director of something or whatever. Right. And, and I, and I remember asking that question. So like, why do you, why do you care so much about what their title is? It's like, well, in the UK, it's sort of a dirty word and like exactly what you just said. Mm -hmm. And and I was just like, yeah, but then why are you trying to lie to people by not putting sales in your title? You know, <laughs> like if you're so concerned about sales being a, a profession of convincing, of tricking, of manipulation, then why are you starting right out of the gates by tricking people with the title? Like, it just made no sense to me at all. You know, I was like, okay, like I'm going to try to, if my title doesn't say sales, then maybe they'll take a meeting with me and book a meeting with me just to find out that I'm a salesperson. That sounds really doesn't make sense to me at all. Um, so I guess what I'm getting at is that I train people on a process to be as authentic as possible about the fact that you're trying to sell people shit. Um, and, and being as upfront as possible about that. And, but then, but then differentiating because that in itself is a huge differentiator. Right. Because everyone else is basically coming in saying, I just want to book a meeting and see what your interests are. Or no, it's not even that. It's like, I'm just curious about your strategies for 2022. And, you know, if we, you know, like, it's just like, no, I'm trying to sell you shit. And like, but here's the deal. Here's the deal. I'm a different type of salesperson. Most salespeople are going to try to waste your time, suck your time by not really telling you what they, what they really want to do, which I'm going to try to sell you something. I'm going to basically bring you down a process where I'd like to figure out whether you can make a decision or not. Yes or no, I do not care. The thing that, the thing that people forget about sales is that the reason why people don't buy things is because they just don't make a decision. It's not because they're buying something else. Mm. It's not because they're buying some competitor software or product or whatever it might be. It's just that they can't make a decision. You think about it yourself. You get presented with all these buying opportunities all the time. People are trying to sell you things all the time. Sometimes you get engaged in that sales process, but the times when you don't buy, it's just because it just wasn't that important. It dropped off your priority list. You forgot about it. The salesperson didn't follow up, whatever it is. It, you just didn't make a decision. 
yes or no. You were stuck in maybe land. So where all deals die is at maybe. That's where the worst salespeople live. Crappy salespeople have a ton of maybes in their pipeline. Yeah. Can you send Great me an sa- email? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. They're like, oh, I'm just like, you know, I'm going to send up another email and, 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 you know, I'll get them eventually. It's like, no. So how you differentiate yourself as a salesperson to be different than all the sleazy, greedy, inauthentic, annoying other salespeople is that you're a salesperson that's simply trying to sell a process to make a decision. Yes or no. And you genuinely have to believe that, that if I'm going, so when I sit down and talk to you, Joel, and say, Hey, here's what this is going to look like. We're going to spend half an hour to get today. And I'm going to ask you some questions. I'm going to maybe show you my software at the end of that. You're probably going to want to keep going on the sales process. And we can talk about those next steps, or you're going to think it's not a good fit for you. In either case, I'm totally fine with that. Just tell me which one. Just by me saying that and you hearing that, like that's totally different than every other sales rep. Yeah. Every other sales rep is, is saying, I don't want to hear it. No, don't tell me no. Just I, I want yeses, only yeses. But that in itself just creates this huge amount of distrust, creates a filter that you're not going to give me clear information because you're worried that I'm just going to manipulate that into, into you saying yes somehow. Sure. So I'm So basically what I'm saying is, where you need to go with your sales process is train your reps to sell a process to get to for your prospects to make a decision, yes or no. You can care which one it is. And if you build your culture around that, your sales culture around people that help people make decisions, yes or no, you will you'll get very authentic salespeople. You'll have a very authentic sales process and you'll build a ton of trust in that sales process and customers will love you. Yeah, yeah, I love that. And uh, and then you're not tricking people into buying something they don't need, which is like it doesn't work. One hundred and one. Yeah, people don't. It, it doesn't happen. You know, like you know, buyers. I mean, sometimes we do it, but like what happens a lot is people try to do that, and then buyers get you know lose trust, and so mm. they they have this stigma for sale. There's a lot of crappy salespeople out there. Don't get me wrong. So, you know, but like at the end of the day, that's that system doesn't work. You know, buyers are smart now. They do. They have way more information than they ever did. You know, before a salesperson's job was to get them from like 40 percent to 100 percent. Now it's like you get them from 95 percent to 100 percent. They already have done all the research. right? So so talk to me about that, because um, a guy, a guy I've worked with before says, um, selling is telling but then there's closing and um obviously with with the internet with websites with um lead magnets a lot of the sell is done before the conversation Mm -hmm. and when we're talking to clients they don't understand the difference between selling and closing but obviously a sales rep has to know so what is it well, I don't, first off, I don't believe selling is telling. Okay. Um, selling, I mean, you have, you have the, the analogy I use is that you have two, two ears and one nose um, and you, and you should use them in that fashion. And so I hope, selling I hope is actually, I hoped you'd say that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Selling is, is actually asking questions. Um, now buyers don't, 
think that way. You know, buyers are used to selling is telling, mm-hmm. you know, they're like, tell me what your product is. I'll go away. I'll make a decision. Then I'll ask you questions and I'll figure out if I'm going to buy or not. Um, that system doesn't work very well though. Primarily because you have no idea what, here's a great analogy for you. Let's say you go into a doctor's office and you hurt your elbow, right? You have some sort of pain in your elbow. You know, you know, you kind of, uh, you're playing tennis or something and it's really painful. And you go in the doctor's office and they give you the selling is telling approach, right? And what the selling is telling approach would be this. Hey, welcome to my office. Thanks for, you know, what's going on? It's like, oh, I really hurt my elbow. Great. Hurt your elbow? No problem. Check out my certificates on the wall here that I've gotten from all the other patients that I've worked with in my career. Oh, and by the way, check out all this amazing instrumentation I have in this really cool facility that I have. And they're pitching you and pitching you and pitching you on how great of a doctor they are and how great their product is. And they do this for 20 minutes. And at the end of it all, they say, so what you need, you need some aspirin and a sling for your arm. And you walk out of there by just getting talked to, tell, telling all the time for 20 minutes. And you're holding this bandage and some aspirin and you're going, what the fuck? Like, like, how, do you really think you're actually going to use that? Like, do, there was zero trust built. So versus the other doctor, the doctor who says, tell me what's going on. And you say, my elbow hurts. I'm like, oh, does it hurt when you bend it this way or this way, that way? How did you hurt it? Oh, I heard it playing tennis. How long ago was that? Oh, that was this. And like, okay, well, when does it hurt during the day? Does it hurt at night? And they ask you all these questions to diagnose where the specific pain is, why it's that pain. At the end of it all, they say, you know what? Based on all the things you told me over the last 20 minutes, by me asking you all these questions, you need an aspirin and a bandage you're going to walk out of that room and be like, awesome. This aspirin, the bandage is exactly what I need. And I feel so comfortable about that because the doctor built all this trust with me in asking me all these questions. So if you think building trust is telling people shit, you're wrong. It's actually asking questions is what builds trust. So great salespeople, they don't pitch a lot. They actually just ask a lot of really smart questions about someone's business but why they're even talking in the first place, but what, how, what problem they have, how long they've had it, what they've tried to fix it. Um, and, and by doing that, they know exactly what to pitch at the end and they know exactly what to position because they know the pain so well. Buyers just want sellers to know their pain. The actual solution typically isn't the answer. If you're in the telling business, you're in marketing. That's what marketers do. Marketer, that's your job. You're, you're, you're supposed to tell. You don't have typically a one-on-one audience to be able to ask questions. So you have to tell. But in sales, that's the beauty of it. We have the one-on-one audience. So why would you waste it by talking? Because it doesn't really build trust. Asking questions builds trust. Um, so anyways, that's my first spiel on that, um, which is around the selling is telling. Around closing though, um, I think where people struggle with closing is that they think of it as the last step in the process. And it it certainly is, obviously. I mean, that's when it actually happens. But the act of closing should start from the very first time you actually start talking to your prospect. And what I mean by that is you're selling the process right from the beginning of Here's what's going to happen with me. We're going to do a meeting today and this meeting is going to take half an hour. And I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions because I'm not a teller. I want to ask questions. Um, And then after that, I'm going to show you a bit of my product. And then if we want to, after that, you're one of three things are going to happen. Either you're going to want to buy right away. 
right? And if you do, great, we can do that for you. Um, or you're going to have some questions or you're going to, we need to get other people involved. And so we'll have to set up another meeting. And then after that meeting, you know, we might, you, you might be at a point where you want to make a decision. Yes or no at that point. Or the third option is after today, you look at my stuff and we talk, go through it and you're like, no, it's not a fit for me. And that's fine. You can just tell me that. So what I'm doing there is called an upfront contract. That's the first thing I say in every sales engagement I'm doing, but what you're actually hearing is me talking about closing within the first 60 seconds. I'm saying you might buy today. That's one of the paths we could go down. So that when I'm getting to that point later on in the meeting, when it's time for the person, like you're done all your presenting and everything, I'm just like, which path do you want to go down? I've already talked to you about closing. You know, we've already gone through that. If you love it, you could do that. And we can negotiate a price right now and we can close. Or you can, we can book another meeting, right? Get towards closing, or we can just say no and we can part ways as friends. But it's not a big thing. It's not a thing. It's not like some like, all right, time for the close and time to corner them and get them into a corner. It's just like, hey, these are the paths we're going to go down. You're in control. You're the buyer. I'm just the guy helping you to get to that point to make a decision. That's it. That's all. That's my job. My job is not to convince you, not to sell you. It's just to give you the information you need to get to that point where you can make a yes or a no decision. So if you actually operate with that mentality, then you can start closing really early in your sales process. And then you're consistently trying to do that throughout the entire sales process. Yeah, I love that. We, uh, we open our calls with, at, at the end of this call, I'm going to offer you a deal. Same reason, same reason. Yeah. Um, but the amount of suppliers I speak to that just don't do that. And I end up talking to them for ages and I don't know why. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, even if you just think about the, the aspect of time, you know, as a, um, um, so I, I, I tried in cold calls, for example, I train people very often to set tiny little contracts around time. When you call, Hey, is it okay if I take 32 seconds of your time, tell you I'm calling. If after that you want to keep talking, great. If not, no big deal. Is that okay? That's your opener for a call. Because because we've all been telemarketed to, right? And the thing that we hate when you're on the phone is that, when is this going to end? I don't know when this is going to end. Is this going to be half an hour? Is this going to be one minute? I don't know how long it's going to take. For that reason, I'm out. Mm. You hang up. Or you just say, thanks, I got to go. And you hang up, right? If you just told people right out of the gates that it's going to take 30 seconds, and you tell them the amount of time that it's going to take, then they can rationalize that decision and say, yeah, sure. Okay. I can take that time. Now let's say they, you do it through your first 30 seconds and you ask them a question like, yeah, I'm really interested in that. Or, you know, you get into a conversation of some sort, you should reset the clock. And I train people all the time. Like, Hey, listen, we've gone past the 30 seconds. I would probably only need four to five more minutes of your time to figure out if we're a fit or not. And if we should book a meeting, is that okay? If we take four or five more minutes, right? Like, and you reset the clock. Because you don't want to get past that 30 second mark. And the person's like, well, I'm already past the 30 second mark. It's going to take a half hour, 15 minutes, 10 minutes. I got to go. I got my kids, whatever. So you reset the clock again. Like that aspect of telling people how much time each step is going to take is so, so, so important. And I don't know. I don't know why, again, there's this belief out there that if you hide this information from buyers that you can trick them. I just don't, I don't get it. Like, like we're not going to get tricked. So why are you trying it? You know? Sure. I get it. I get it. So how do, how do people get in touch with you guys? How do companies set up their new sales recruits with you? How do people that want to get into the sales game get in touch? 
Yeah, it's uh, www.sdrnation.com. We've got uh, right now 370 sales development reps in there who are working at small businesses, um, you know, just trying to figure it out. And we're basically a school for them so that you don't have to figure it out all as a founder or a, um, or you might be too busy as a sales leader with other types of sales functions. Um, and you can go there. If you want to reach out to me, I'm on LinkedIn, just uh, linkedin.com forward slash Charlie Locke. Um, L-O-C-K-E is my name. And you can reach out to me there. If you've got any questions, I'm happy to help you figure things out. Um, you know, whether or not you have folks that you want to put in SDR nation or not, I just want to help you get your sales function off the ground. So I'd be happy to help you in any way. That's awesome. And a question I ask every guest and it's a weird one and nothing to do with sales. (laughs) What's your favorite film and why? Ooh, um, well, Pulp Fiction is the one that like comes to mind pretty quick. I'm a big Tarantino fan. I mean, some of his movies I'm not a huge fan of, but the ones that I like are in my top five. Uh, Inglorious Bastards probably has one of the best opening scenes of all yeah. time. Um, I'm just, a, I'm, yeah, I'm a big fan of uh, the way that Pulp Fiction was, the story was crafted in the sense that there was no real linear timeline and there was like four different stories going on at once and they all kind of combine at the end and how he manages to make extreme gore funny somehow. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know how he does that, but he's a, a master in his own domain. Nice. Charlie, you've been, you've been an awesome guest. It's been, it's been great chatting to you. Thanks for coming on. Awesome to meet you, Joel. Thanks a lot.